everyone, and welcome to episode 9 of Badland Girls. I'm Rhea. And I'm Destiny. And how are you, Destiny? I'm okay. I uh, went through a bit of a depressive episode, but I think I'm coming out of it, so I'm just... I'm just ready for it to be over, <laughs> but I, I, I am uh, taking the entire week off of work, and I think that'll help a ton. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Mm, me too. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? I am doing okay. So I just recently started using a CPAP. Those are good for you. So in February, I uh, went to see the doctor because I was having these weird like heart palpitations. And um, as the doctor was examining me, she did uh, EKG and I was fine. I think it was stress, but I honestly don't know. But then she was uh, examining my throat and she started asking me questions about like, do you fall asleep a lot during the day? Blah, blah, blah. Are you snoring a lot? And I have noticed like over the pa- over 2020, I have like been falling asleep like during the day a lot and my snoring has gotten worse. So I, she said she wanted me to do a sleep study. So I did the at home one and that was enough to prompt me to go to an in-house one at the hospital. And then yes, I have really bad sleep apnea, apparently. COVID disease. I don't know where it came from. And now I have to use a CPAP. And I just, I've been using it for like three or four days. And it is an adjustment. I uh, have tried a CPAP just out of curiosity. I find it soothing. (laughs) (laughs) uh... What do you find soothing about it? I'm curious. I don't know. Just like the sound and and the uh, the air isn't like it doesn't feel uncomfortable to me. I don't know, mm. but I know some people like find them deeply uncomfortable. But um, I'm glad you're uh, getting some help with your sleep. Yeah, it's like when I say an adjustment to, I don't really ne- necessarily mean like I hate it. It's my life is ruined. Mm. Like I just. I, there's a lot of little things I think that I have adjusted to over the course of my life um, that I now have to create a, a new normal for because this is eradicating a lot of that. So, like, the first thing is, is even before, I mean, I, pro- I want to just say I probably had some sort of sleep apnea, mild to severe probably for a few years because I am a huge, I toss and turn a lot in bed. And now that I have this, I don't move at all because I'm getting a lot of rest. But because I don't move at all, my body's like, why aren't you moving? (laughs) And so now I'm like, I wake up sometimes and it's, I'm like super sore because my body is not used to staying in one position for long periods of time yet. Oh, yeah. Gotta, gotta adjust to that. Yeah. And then uh, I also just need to adjust to just uh, waking up a lot earlier than I expected. I just, mm-hmm. like, I can't sleep past a certain time anymore. I've been waking up at 6 a.m. and I hate it. <laughs> oh, I've been getting up at 6 a.m. on purpose 
uh, which is an hour and a half before I actually have to like do stuff uh, just to like do witchy shit in the morning because I don't really oh, have time cool. for it in the evening and just like random rituals and reading and stuff and journaling meditations like thank you uh but now my body doesn't let me sleep in like my bladder wakes me up today my bladder woke me up at four in the morning and i've been up ever since oh my goodness <laughs> i will so, say yeah. this though like when i get up i have like a little kind of like groggy period that can last of like from half hour to an hour and uh but then when i get up i have not been like dropping off during the day so I think it's already starting to do good work. Good, um, good. Yeah. And they said in my little training documents, they said that it takes like one to two weeks to really get used to the whole ritual of using it. So. I'm glad it's helping. Yeah. It's one of those things where, um, yeah, you just kind of have to get used to it but once you do get used to it it's going to make such an improvement in your life and how you feel yeah so i will give uh y'all an update on this after a couple of weeks have gone by but that is a majority of uh what i've been focusing on lately because i like i said it's been like a long process of of uh getting through this making the appointment to do the sleep study and then, you know, getting, making the appointment with the company that is, like, going through my insurance to, like, rent the CPAP to you. God, insurance sucks. Oh, my God. I just, like, this whole, this whole process, whenever I do anything medical, it just makes me realize how awful our insurance system here is in the United States. <laughs> how we desperately yeah. need Medicare for all. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. It's bad. But other than that, um, I actually started playing uh, a story of seasons for the very, it's the first story of seasons that I have been able to get super invested in. Which one is it? It is a story of seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town. Oh, fun. Yeah. So... Much like every story of seasons, you know, you inherit a farm and you build it up back to prosperity and you raise crops and you romance villagers and, you know, uh, make the town a better place to live. It's such a cute game. I've never, I've always struggled with story of seasons just because the couple I've played, I just felt they were really hard and it was hard for me to get into them. But this one had a really, uh, I felt like it was really easy to get into. And uh, currently, I have like, it has kind of like an Animal Crossing New Horizons level of um, decorating, uh, outdoor decorating. So I've decorated the first area and the second area of my farm. And um, still working on the third area. And then I am currently dating two different people because apparently you can date more than one person in this game because I didn't know who to choose to date solo. So I'm dating Reyna, the party girl who also is a museum whiz and works at the museum, <laughs> and Iori, who is a Japanese nobleman who gave up his princely duties to have a more fulfilling life. 
I don't know yeah. who I'm gonna marry yet. So Hashtag we'll bisexual. <laughs> they were the only two ones that really interested me out of all of the all of the potential partners you have in the game. I'm so, an old pro at farming sims. I never think to date more than <laughs> in the game. I never do it. <laughs> Oh, you're so pure. I just felt like I, Ar- Archie Andrews dating these two. I uh, am not monogamous in real life. Like, not interested in that. But in games, apparently, I am. <laughs> I love that. I love that about so you. so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, I was struggling because, like, there every I felt bad because all of Reyna's, like, heart moments... We're all her having these amazing ideas for the museum. And then the head of the museum, who is the mayor's uh, wife, keeps shooting Raina down. Like, no, you can't do that. And I'm just like, what the hell, man? Oh, boo, earth. <laughs> and then uh, Iori uh, is really interesting. At first, I was kind of bored by him. And then all of a sudden I went to his house and then he got attacked by like ninjas in the woods and there's all this political intrigue and I'm just like, oh, never mind. You just got interesting. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's fun. That makes me want to play the story of seasons game. I can't remember the full name of it, but I never got to the point where I was dating anyone. I was trying to date the hardest character to date in the game who was a witch princess who comes into the game really late and like all of her favorite foods are poisonous <laughs> or purple. And like, she's just really hard to court. And so I had started courting her and then uh, fell off the game, but maybe I'll go back. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I usually don't pick the difficult, cause there's usually like a couple of them in those games that are really difficult and I usually don't pick them, but uh, this one, I was like, I'm up to the challenge. It also just makes me really want to play Stardew Valley again. Yeah, that is actually, like, for somebody, for I guess a lot of the fans who've played Stardew Valley, they said that Pioneers of Olive Town is very similar to Stardew Valley. That's awesome. Yeah, Stardew Valley is, like, if you like farming sims in the style of Harvest Moon and Story of Seasons, then you gotta play a little little uh stardew valley it is so there's just so much to do in that game and it's Mm. it's dna is those games yeah that's awesome i was actually thinking of maybe finally buying stardew valley after i finally got into this story of seasons the only reason i avoided stardew valley for as long as i did was just because i struggled to get into any sort of harvest moon story of seasons game and i didn't know if stardew valley i thought stardew valley would be the same I understand. They're a little overwhelming at first, especially, like, if you don't have your routine. But once you get your routine and, like, you make time to go into the town, they're a lot easier to manage. Um, I played a lot of Mineral Town when they re-released that on the Switch, but I felt like it wasn't very... It was a little too bare-bones, so I didn't really Mm. get into it. Mm. Uh, But, yeah, like, once you get that balance of, like, Okay, I'm going to work on the farm in the morning, go out in the town in the evening, and then do my little rounds, you know, give out my gifts. Uh, Are you bonding with any of the other villagers, like the non-romanceable ones? 
Yeah, uh, I think my strongest bond is actually with um, the woman who runs the museum just because I go there so often. <laughs> and uh, she's a really interesting character. I like her a lot. Cool. Yeah. Gloria. I love those kinds of games. They're, they're great. I'm also bonding with the French woman who runs the salon. Oh, is it like a set in what region is it supposed to be? Is it like Japanese Europe? Like a lot of RPGs? <laughs> I, I think it is supposed to be kind of like a European designed Japanese Europe is such a good, I love that term. That and yeah, but then they, it's interesting too, because yeah, I think it is Japanese Europe because the way Iori is treated, he's like always like educating me about his customs from Japan. Like, oh, this tea ceremony is very important in our culture and stuff like that. Mm. One of my favorite things about the game is that in the beginning uh, cinematic, you are um, riding a little Vespa into from the city. You're moving from the city to the country and you're riding your little Vespa and then your Vespa breaks down and the mayor greets you and he gives you a ride into town and he gives your Vespa to the mechanic to fix. And then later in the game, after you've lived there for like a little bit, the mechanic comes to you and says, oh, I just need a couple more things to fix your motorcycle and then you're good to go. And then you get the motorcycle and then you can just zoom around wherever you want and I love it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So no horse. I have a horse too. Oh, okay. So you get a horse and a Vespa. Yes, I have a horse and I named uh, her Midnight because it's a black horse. Yeah, got yeah. horse. <laughs> I also read there's like a wolf you can somehow unlock that you can ride around to. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I kind of want to see if I can get that as well. Awesome. Keep us updated. Be yeah. And then Tracy just lent me Arkham Asylum, the Batman game. I've never played it. Uh, she recently bought like the remasters and she says it. she's been revisiting them and loving it. So I decided to give this a go because I really like those Spider-Man games that came out last year, Miles Morales mm -hmm. and then the one about Peter Parker. And oh, yeah. she said the, the kind of game controls and mechanics are the same. So I'm going to give this Batman a whirl and see if I like it. Yeah. I remember hearing good things about it. It wasn't really my cup of tea, so I never picked it up, but, uh, mm -hmm. I hear good things. So yes, yes, do keep us posted. I think the last video game I played, I have a friend that calls me every week on the phone and I like to have something going on while I'm on the phone with my mm -hmm. hands. So I put on this game called Forager, which I think is a PC game that they just like put on Xbox. And it's essentially like, mm, it's got a bit of Minecraft to it. It's got a bit of... Um, like a farming sim to it. You're this little guy and you end up on this island and you have to like collect resources to survive and build a forge and build like a loom. And then you got to make thread on the loom and brick on the forge. And you're like setting up a base and there's all this shit that tries to kill you. And then you have to keep yourself fed and then you like expand the land and you, you unlock magic and there's all this shit. But like, once you die in the game, you have to start all over. So I only played one round, but that was the last oh. video game I played. It was pretty good. Nice. I've never heard of it. 
Yeah, I it just popped up on a Game Pass, so we nice. we uh, picked it up. Nice. Well, let us. This is just going to be a short and sweet one for you all. Just wanted to update you and give you a virtual audio hug for your yeah. ears with mm, our voices. Have a hug. <laughs> and I hope we um, smell good. <laughs> I probably smell like bacon. I made bacon this morning. That so. that could be pleasant to some people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I just uh, what smell was like? The... Oh, <laughs> sorry. Never mind. Just no, 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 rambling. no. What do I smell like? Yeah, uh, I have a lavender sage deodorant happening. So see, I probably you always smell, like smell so beautiful, like the forest, like the forest. <laughs> like <it laughs> Thank <feels>. you. <laughs> All my uh, imitation flo- uh, forest smells that I wear. <laughs> I love it. Oh, before we get into our our regulars, I do want to talk about our last game night because it was cuckoo for cocoa puffs. Oh my god, I'm still laughing about some shit that went down in that game night. Still. First of all, I don't think Destiny was so goddamn funny. She always is. But there was something about that game night that was just killing me. So we played a tabletop game called uh, But Wait, There's More that Eric, our friend Eric Green, scrounged up on eBay for a hefty price. Thank you very much, Eric. And you basically create fake infomercials for products and then... Uh, you have to say um, one yeah, of you the have a product, and then you get a feature card, and then you have to read the feature. Yes, and then you have to say, "But wait, there's more." And then Eric, the the host, will read another feature, and you have to craft that into your pitch as well. Well, Destiny did this weird <laughs> kind of infomercial from the perspective of like a charity. <laughs> Oh, are you talking about... Oh, go on, go on. I think I know what you're talking about. She started out saying, like, the passenger pigeon, the dodo bird, the saber-toothed tiger. (laughs) And if that wasn't funny enough, then she said she was Bruce Springsteen. And I about nearly died of laughter. It was the funniest thing on the planet. The pitch was that I was Bruce Springsteen trying to use the plight of the extinct animal to get you to buy... A recycling bin? Now I don't remember yes, exactly. I think it was what... a recycling bin, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Oh man. Like that was killing me. I just that was such a fun game. What yeah. was some of the stuff that still makes you laugh? Oh my god. Like our friend Rob kept coming up with like different scenarios for all of his pitches. So like one time there was like a Star Wars influenced like uh, star battle, but he was selling like refrigerators or some shit. <laughs> and then in another one, he like I don't remember what he was trying to sell, but he referenced kid and play. That's right. And you, <laughs> I, it was I had... like some sort of haircut thing. I can't remember. But yeah, I asked him like, what made you think of kid and play? I haven't thought of kid and play since I was a literal child. And he was like, I was just trying to think of a distinct haircut. And I was like, that's so weird. <laughs> Oh my god. But oh, yeah, there Jesus. were some good ones. It was a good time. That game is really fun. If you have friends that are like good at improv, it is it, it and the and you don't have to be I'm not good at improv. And I still had a really good time. But yeah, you just kinda use your wits to come up with these pitches and oh so fun. 
That was a yeah. great game night. If you don't think you're good at improv, uh, like these are great games to kind of like just just fun storytelling games. Like there was a uh, one of our friends there said that she when we did the expert mode, which was you don't look, you don't know what the <laughs> the product is you're selling or what the feature is until you look at the card. And uh, our friends Rebecca and Bruce went first, and then Rebecca kind of like embarrassedly said, she's like, oh, the people who aren't good at improv went first. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You and Bruce came up with some great fucking stories. I was dying at some of that stuff Bruce did. Yeah, you have to, I think what makes it work is you have to have a good knack for how commercials work. And as a group, we were all heavy TV watchers and still are. I don't know how many advertisements you come across. I don't watch a lot of, like, TV TV. Mm. But, man, I used to spend hours watching it as a kid. And commercial styles are just ingrained into my brain. Yeah. I was talking to Tracy about Rob's uh, commercial storytelling. And she said it just felt straight out of the 90s. With just... (laughs) Just the way he would put on a little play yeah. to, to sell the product. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, he was killing me. Yeah, everybody yes. did great. I yeah. um, highly recommend this game if you can track it down. I mean, you could pl- probably play it, make a homebrew version, and just make your own product <laughs> cards and pitches and just... Be- yeah, we would <laughs> normally be all about promoting it, but apparently it's out of print. Oh, yeah, yeah, so it's hard to find. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, definitely a homebrew version would be hysterical. Yeah, because all you would have to do is come up with a list of products and then, like, a big, big list of features. Yeah. In our expert mode, I just, this one thing just keeps popping into my head in our expert mode round of the game where we were selling the earrings, and I went into that whole rant about BTS and then when I got the, but wait, there's more. And I said, look, you're going to fuck BTS. And then Destiny said to me later, she's like, I love how assured you are. Like, you know, you're going to fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> she just knows it in her heart. Yeah. All uh, BTS yes. fans feel this way. Uh, but yes, having uh, those game nights has been uh, very good for the soul for me. I've been enjoying them a lot. Same here. Just like yeah. I'm still working from home, so I don't see anybody. Mm. Uh, Same. I don't leave my house hardly ever. And then so like, since we all got our vaccines, we're like, let's just get together. Yeah. I don't know how much longer that's gonna last. What with all yeah. the variants, and uh, I'm wearing masks out in public again. Because mm. I never stopped. That's because I don't too. go into public very often, though. Oh, see, yeah, I, I we've been going out, but like. Not without a mask. Yeah. Oh, boy. But yes, uh, I highly recommend getting together with friends virtually or in small groups if you are feeling kind of worn down by the social distancing and the pandemic. And game nights are just so good for the soul. Mm-hmm. So good. But yeah, let's get into our regulars. Destiny, what's the last movie you watched? Uh, I've got two. I watched... This morning I watched... Uh documentary called Beyond the Visible Hilma Aufklit about the Swedish surrealist or no she wasn't a surrealist she was an abstract painter which is very important because like she was painting abstracts before Kandinsky which means 
the entire history of abs like just art history had to be rewritten to include her uh she was this unknown she was a spiritualist who like put all this symbolism about not just like mystical stuff she was experiencing but also like the science of the time like a lot of stuff about atoms a lot of stuff about relativity and she was putting that in her work as well um, along with this mystical stuff. So there's this marrying of the scientific and the spiritual in her work that makes her really one of my favorite painters. Um, but yeah, she was kind of unknown and she didn't really, I, I think she maybe maybe had a couple of gallery presentations in her lifetime, but um, she was kind of rediscovered and now there's kind of this, um, fight to get her in the annals of art history because just there aren't very many women in the uh, especially when you think of like abstract art like there weren't a lot of women being championed or talked about in the context of art history and I'm glad that she's getting attention um, I just I love her stuff but the documentary was good it didn't go into any of the like spiritual symbolism behind any of her art which is why I watched it like I was really hoping for that but it did do a really good job of kind of like tracking how she was the first she predated Kandinsky um and like how she struggled to like get herself out there and the rediscovery and just kind of erasing her legacy uh so that was cool but i really would have liked more spooky weirdness uh in the telling of her <laughs> life and art was um, it just more of like a straightforward kind of like history of her and not very kind of uh interpretive of her art at all well it would go into like her science uh, influences but it didn't talk they would mention oh she she had a group and they would do seances but they didn't talk about any of her like mystical visions or any and I, maybe she didn't record any of it like she did keep journals but it was purely about work and it wasn't about the personal so mm -hmm. maybe there just aren't records of that but like I don't know she's very like in occult circles that's how I found her like if you run in like occult circles like she's a name for that reason because of that influence on her art so yeah the documentary is just like they talked about the science and they talked about her place in art history and how art history needs to be rewritten to fill you know in the names of her and a lot of other women but it just did not go into the the weird mystical bits that's really interesting i kind of want to check this out i only recently heard of her and that was through a book uh, by, I think her name is Rachel Iganofstri. And she writes these uh, illustrated books about um, notable women in various fields. So her first one was Women in Science. And I knew about like a quarter of them and the rest of them I didn't know about. But she illustrates them. It's like a one-page biography of these women and then a beautiful illustration of them. And then the second one she did was about notable women in sports, and I knew even less about that. And then the most recent one she released this year 
or last year, I can't remember, was women in art. And there was so many women in there that I did not know. And that was the first time I encountered uh, this artist, Hilma. Hilma Ausklint. Yes, that was the first time I encountered her name. So I I love that you're into this and I love how you discovered her. I love when people discover uh, stuff just the unconventional way, you know, like, oh, I was studying the occult and then I just found out about this wonderful artist. I love that shit. Oh, yeah. No, it's fun. It's super fun. And I, my favorite genre of documentary is pretty much anything about artists and their process. Like, most of the time when I, I watch a documentary, it's because I want to, like, see a glimpse into that. Um, so the Criterion channel has been killing it. Just, it's not even... Okay, we're recording this on July 4th. Mm-hmm. So they just put a bunch of new stuff up. Uh, and they've just been killing it. So, like, this was on there, and they just put this international animation lineup of all these, like, animated movies. We watched Watership Down. Um, I can't think of... Oh, The Last Unicorn. That's leaving this month, I believe. Um, but, yeah, they, they, put, they put a bunch of Satoshi Kon movies. So, if you haven't seen Tatashi Kon, or <laughs> Katashi Kon, uh, Satoshi Kon, God... Is Perfect um, Blue on there? No. Damn it. But Paprika <laughs> is. Millennium okay. Actress is. Um, Perfect Blue is so good. Um, but yeah, you'll have to track that one down another way. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of stuff from like Hungary and uh, just parts of Europe that you don't usually see films from. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's really cool. Uh, and then they just put a bunch of like early 90s independent cinema that uh kind of was ha- had its day and god they found a movie um that i remember seeing on cable as a kid and just being purely knocked out about it called clock watchers with lisa kudrow parker posey and tony collette and they just added it to the criterion collection so like i get to rewatch it and i haven't seen it since i was a teenager and i'm so excited um i have I never heard up. of this movie what the hell it's just a What's little indie movie from the 90s. It's about these uh, this group of women that work in this drab office job and they bond over this experience that happens to them. And Oh my god, I, this sounds fascinating. Yeah, and it, it's great because all of those women are like amazing actresses and this was like kind of before they all blew up. I mean, Lisa Kudrow was working on Friends when the movie came out, but like, uh, who else is in it? I don't know. I'm not going to google or podcasting but yeah it's 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 a i remember just loving it so they got that and i'm all excited um but yeah it's a good month to to get the criterion channel if, if this i i always want to do a little ad for them because it's like the best streaming service no um, love it yes so yeah i watched that and then the other movie i watched was uh <laughs> the william friedkin classic cruising mm, i love cruising i love that movie yeah al pacino plays this cop that goes undercover to find the serial killer and he just happens to be in the new york city gritty gay leather scene so there's a lot of just like shots of just debauchery happening in these nightclubs and like you learn about the hanky code along with al pacino and it's exciting i don't know the movie is controversial because like uh gay groups protested it when it came out 
because they're just like we don't want to be depicted like all this violence against us and be depicted as like weirdos and i don't know my favorite gay subcultures are the gritty weird ones and i think to have this like pre-aids document of that scene because it's not the whole scene but it's part of the scene i don't know i i I think it's kind of important even if it is just a giallo movie at the end of the day yeah i uh 100 agree with destiny i just feel like at the time there was just like a struggle to be uh in the gay community to be seen as just like you and I feel like they 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 felt like this movie really undermined that, even though the movie was very clear that this is a very distinct subculture that mm. not all gay people are part of. <laughs> so, right, but like it's the late late seventies, like you know that's a hard. There's no representation. It's not like they had Will and Grace. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no. And I totally understand like mm. why why they. Uh, were like why the queer community was upset with this movie which is why i was telling destiny this before we started recording i actually think the movie exists better out of the like better viewed outside of the time period where you can kind of take all that in and kind of like understand why the queer community was so upset but then also kind of like see how it stands on its own as like a really interesting movie like for the reasons destiny said about like this kind of this soap culture that's really fascinating i felt the same way destiny yeah, I I just couldn't get enough of it. It's a very strange movie. Um, and I just really liked the world of it. Um, I don't know. I have, I'm have i a sucker for anything set in New York before they cleaned it up. So yeah, yeah, girl. Same. That is my favorite. That's why I really connected with the series Russian Doll because it, it's set in the present day, but it's like it really evokes that New York. I don't know what it is about it. That's where my heart lives. (laughs) Sometimes when the last podcast guys talk about New York, I get that feeling like that (laughs) feeling of like New York is a is a shithole. Yeah. It's taxi driver. Yeah. Henry was just recently talking about how out of control the rat situation is in the subways down there. And just, like, it, it made me feel like, like, I felt like this weird, like, yeah, that's right. Talk about how shitty it is more, Henry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. That is my favorite setting for film. That is my favorite <laughs> setting for TV. Like, oh, I love it. Same, girl. Same. And I've been to New York, and it's it's not like that anymore. It's, it's oh. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's got its problems. I'm not saying I want it to be, like... A bad place i just i don't know that character that charm i don't know let's buy i love new york shirts and rip them up and make them look like we live on the streets <laughs> <laughs> or we're like we own the streets that's what i meant to yeah, say yeah. We, own the streets. <laughs> we own the streets um yeah so those are the last movies i watched uh what about you uh the movie i want to talk about just was recently released it is part one in uh, the Fear Street trilogy of movies they're doing based off the R.L. Stein novels. And the first one is called uh, Fear Street 1994. And this uh, took everything that I loved about those books, which were, uh, I did a little research, <coughs> excuse me, after I watched the movie. So this was actually R.L. Stein's like first big break was the Fear Street books. He started them in the late 80s, and 
Then in the early 90s, like 93, he started writing Goosebumps and that took off in a way like not even the Fear Street books could compete with, right? So this movie is, you know, inspired. It's not a direct adaptation of any of the Fear Street books in particular, but it's inspired by the Fear Street books and also inspired by uh, slasher movies and horror movies of the era that they're focusing on. So there's three parts to this uh, series. There's a movie dropping every week. So next Friday, there'll be another one. And then the Friday after the last one. So the first one is called Fear Street 1994. The second one is called Fear Street 1978. And then the last one is called Fear Street 1666. And at first I thought they were all separate, but they're all connected. And uh, it's just, it's gory. It's, it's really gay. And it is a lot of fun. I absolutely loved this first installment. They had so many really great 90s needle drops. It was just so much fun. And I'm really looking forward to the 70s one because in the trailers, it looks very much inspired by Jason and Camp Crystal Lake because it's a bunch of kids being stalked at a camp by a Jason-like oh, killer. Yeah. It is just like, oh, some of the some of the deaths that happened in this 90s one, I'm like, oh my God, like, they are brutal. And it, it's like, it's an, it's intense. I was really impressed. It, I was expecting just like kind of like a popcorn fun movie, but I was actually really invested in it. And the storyline is really interesting. It involves uh, witches, which whenever you involve a witch into something, I'm like, oh yeah, let me just sit my ass down and worship you <laughs> because I love that fucking shit. <laughs> Occult yeah, shit rules. I um. <laughs> uh, never read the Fear Street books, which is fucking weird because I love horror movies and I always have uh, read a fuck ton of Goosebumps and like knew that they weren't like, you know, they're for kids. So they weren't mm-hmm. like going to ever be as terrifying as any of the movies I was watching. But for some reason, never thought to read Fear Street. Yeah, Fear Street's fun. I actually think because because of Goosebumps' popularity, sometimes I feel like people forget about how like, you know, uh, how good Fear Street is. Fear Streets are like good like trashy slasher books. I love them. Did people like actually die in them? Oh fuck yeah! Like the only actually I'd say the only difference between. Uh, well, one of the differences, there's a couple, but the biggest difference between the books and the the movie is, of course, because we live in a dumb puritanical society, the books are super violent and people die, but almost nobody has overt sex in the books at all, which the movie just was like, no, people have, teens have sex. So, I mean, uh, that was the biggest audience for the books? Uh, Teens. Maybe oh, okay. even like maybe younger than that. Maybe like I'd say seventh grade and up. I'd say. Okay, I was just. But curious, also, those cause... were coming out like at a time I think too, where it just wasn't like I mean, what was the name of that author? Judy Bloom, where she was she still gets shit for writing a teen sexual relationship, on uh, in one of her books. And so oh, I feel yeah. like when it when it came out, it just wasn't quote unquote done, especially not in kind of a franchise book series. But it, it blows my mind that people. I mean, people were against it, but, like, these books were violent as shit. People got killed, like, as much as an adjacent movie. But, like, the the chastity level was high. And uh, <laughs> I feel like the movie was just like, no, like, the chastity level doesn't exist. We're, we're a slasher movie. People are going to have sex, and people are going to get killed at the same time. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch that. Cause I, Please uh... do. I think you'd love it. 
You know me, I love a slasher. It's mm-hmm. probably still my favorite genre of horror film, even though they don't really make them anymore. Yeah, or if I they actually do, they're just not watched the trailer. Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, they don't really, They if they do make them, I just, I don't know, I'm not as into them. It's weird. I did revisit the first two, first three Scream movies, and those hold up like gangbusters, so. R.I.P. Wes Craven. <laughs> what Dude, were you going I, to say? I was just going to say, I've actually been thinking a lot about slasher movies myself, and just kind of having this... Uh, renewed love affair with them. I just watched the trailer for the next Halloween movie and I am like so stoked for it. And I'm just like, I'm really excited. That last Halloween movie was so good. I was like screaming. It was so good. Oh, the the new one. You saw that one too? Yeah, I saw that one. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I did too. I, did not, I had really low expectations, like super, Me too. Duper, uber low expectations. <laughs> And they were blown out of the water. I was so pleased with it. And I like the Rob Zombie ones. I still haven't seen those. I suck. (laughs) Oh, they're great. They're weird as hell, but they're great. A lot of people don't like those. But I just, I don't know. feel like it was going for something interesting. I'm so happy. Yeah, we should go see if it's safe. We should go see the new one together when it comes out this Halloween. Oh, that's definitely going to be on the list for sure. Okay. All right. Well, now let's move on to Aww, Badland Bad Girl. Girl. That's, That's my, jam. my jam. Destiny, what's your jam? In the spirit of cruising, uh, the next day when I was like, I have to listen to music to get through my stupid work day, I decided to look up and see if anybody had made any like leather bar disco playlists. <laughs> oh my God. This is amazing. <laughs> and there's quite a few of them. They like mix a lot of old and new music, but I was looking for like period accurate late 70s stuff and I stumbled upon this fantastic song by Patrick Kelly with vocals by Sylvester called Minergy. Ooh. This sounds really good. I want It's a Oh, it's so fun. It's just it's just a song celebrating the bar culture. It's just it's just like minergy. Raise the minergy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Oh, it, it it makes me really happy. Um Patrick Cowley was like he uh, he uh produced like a bunch of great disco songs and then he died really fucking Young of AIDS in 1982, I believe. Uh, So he didn't live very long. Sylvester didn't live very long. Um, But yeah, the music lives on. And it's it's just, if you like to dance, then you'll like it. Ooh, I love that. (laughs) What's your jam? Well, kind of inspired. I was going to talk about a BTS song, but... We all know I love BTS and I've been listening to them for a long time. Uh, but, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, but inspired by your talk about finding this playlist, I want to talk about um, another movie I saw a while ago. Luca, the new, the latest Pixar movie that's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, so, how was it? I loved it. So I feel like Pixar movies, like, I, there's 
there's a couple of instances where I've gone into a Pixar movie and I've been like, oh, this movie, I'm going to walk out of here and it's going to be my absolute favorite. And then I walk out of there and I'm just like, I liked it, but I don't, I wouldn't say it's my ride or die. And then I go see one that I'm kind of like, yeah. And then I go out of there and I'm like, it's my ride or die. So this is what happened <laughs> with Up because I went into Up and I was like, I'm, I'm sure I'll be fine. And then Up is like my ride or die. And this is also what happened with Luca. I went in thinking it was just going to be pretty good and it's my ride or die now. So <laughs> Luca takes place uh, in like maybe the late 50s, early 60s in a seaside Italian town. And so the movie is filled with all of these beautiful old 50s, 60s Italian pop songs. And you know the, how much I love an old 60s European jam destiny. Oh, <laughs> and me too. I, dis- I discovered so many through this movie. And my, actu- my favorite one that I discovered was a song called Tintarella de Luna by Mina. And it is such a fun little 60s bop. It is so cute. I love that song. And I made my own little playlist of like songs from Luca and then other 60s like um, uh, girl groups and like girl singers that I like. So I can have like this little like Italian 60s paradise mix for when I want a real sunshiny moment. (laughs) That's awesome. But yeah, that's my uh, latest jam. And then also just been listening to Begin by Jungkook from BTS in the car when I'm driving. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was going to like share something with you guys last game night, but I didn't have a chance to, but I, um, uh, I can actually, we can talk about that in a very quick, just like, what have you been watching on YouTube lately? (laughs) Uh So I got a magazine, uh, Rolling Stone with BTS on it. And they had this really great section afterwards where they recommended a lot, a lot of other K-pop acts to check out. And one of them they recommended was this guy named Wonho. And he used to be in a boy group in South Korea, obviously, called Monster X. But then I think sometime, I don't know, in the last couple years, he was embroiled in a controversy where somebody accused him of smoking pot. Now, pot is illegal in South Korea and extremely taboo. Like it's not like the kind of casual energy you you've had in the West about it, even before it was legal in some of the States. You know what I mean? Like, oh, if, yeah. Like aren't the penalties like so severe. Yeah. And it's like, it like basically like, so this rumor came out that he smoked pot once and it's just like, and it, he had to leave monster X And then it kind of like ruined his career for a hot minute. And then the rumors were dismissed. I can't believe like that is a career killer, but to each their own. And so then he, he struck out on a solo career and his solo career, his solo career songs are amazingly good. They're really great pop songs. But the most interesting thing about it is that now that he isn't under the yoke of uh, being in this boy group, he decided to become this buff, sexy motherfucker that posts daily thirst traps to his Instagram of his ass, his abs, and his thighs. (laughs) And it's the best. That is hilarious. Good for him. Yes. So I've I've been like, his music videos are extremely, uh, like, 
you know, he's kind of like celebrating his sexuality and his body in a way that I usually don't see in boy bands uh, because they're usually pretty tame and uh, they're usually like pretty like innocent, you know? I feel yeah. like, B- yeah, I feel like BTS is slowly trying to like push against that mold. Just recently they had a virtual concert and Jungkook, who is like the, the center dancer singer, he wore a short sleeve shirt for the first time so you could see his full sleeve of tattoos, which is also very taboo in Korea. Huh. So, I mean, like before I've seen video of him where he's always wearing long sleeve shirts. You can only see his like knuckle tattoos, which are just very simple. And then if he did like a scene where like where he didn't have his shirt on, they'd blur it out. They'd blur out all his tattoos. And really? Yes. And... Uh, it was so it's like like fans both uh local and abroad are kind of like losing their shit because he did a whole concert where you saw all his tattoos freely on display he's done some interviews where they're not blurring them anymore so they're kind of like trying to do things i feel like bts because of their global popularity they're trying to kind of also break out of the the kind of very conservative mold that uh, boy bands and girl bands are kind of uh, stuck into in Korea and trying to be more kind of just like, hey, I can be, I can have a bunch of tattoos. It doesn't make me a bad person or it doesn't, or anything like that. So interesting. Yeah, it's very fascinating. I kind of find that I find all this stuff extremely fascinating as well as, you know, just like watching their cute dance moves. I'm like, oh my God, I love this shit. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, Wanho's music videos are extremely, like, just, uh, sexual and just showing off his abs. He had this one, like, in one of the videos, he had this one, like, leather zip-up, but it was unzipped over his stomach. And then a popular video that popped up with that one was gay TikTokers react to Wanho's videos. Yeah. <laughs> so, I just, so I thought that was really cute and funny. But... Yeah, that and uh, my usual cat videos is all I've been watching on YouTube lately. What about you? Oh, um, I've been watching a lot of this British guy. I think he's British. Um, his, the YouTube channel is called Foolish Fish. And what he does is he reviews uh, esoteric and occult books. Ooh. And, like, lately he's been making... Um, Okay, so, like, in Ceremonial Magic, you have to make all of your altar tools and magical weapons. And this consists of a chalice, a pentacle, a wand, and an athame, which is just, like, a fancy dagger. And so he, like, just made his wand, and he, like, he, like, got the wood, like, looked everywhere for the wood, and carved it, and put all these symbols into it, and they, like, correspond with, like some of the stuff he's working with and uh so i've just been fascinated by this guy how do you make a a dagger how do you make a dagger oh he hasn't done that yet but i don't know like he's probably i assume he's just gonna buy one and like decorate the handle and like do customizations because how would you i don't know but like traditionally that's they were made you can most people probably just buy them now like most occult stores sell that shit so You don't have to make it, but that was in the olden days, you know, in mm. the golden dawn and shit. Like, you just made it. Fascinating. Yeah. 
it, it it's really cool so yeah i've been watching him and getting all these book ideas that i want to like track down they're all like expensive books so i don't know if i'll get any of them but i've been able to find like digital copies and like you know things in certain bookstores here and there so ugh, i need more space so i can just have a big old library we should definitely have a episode where we catch up on the occult catch up on the occult with destiny because i, I feel like to. yes because i feel like your knowledge of the occult and uh which practices has grown tenfold since the last time we sat down and had a long conversation about it. <laughs> Case in point, uh, Rebecca, our friend Rebecca at game night had a bunch of tarot cards and different types of magic reading cards and destiny knew what they all were when she <laughs> gave, when she gave them to her. So. Oh yeah. I know she gave me a Lenormand deck, which I'd been looking at uh, like eyeing, which are just like French, cardamancy cards um they're kind of like the tarot but there's instead of 78 cards there's 36 cards and they have symbols on them along with like playing card imagery and like reading them is a little more straightforward than tarot because with tarot there's a lot of like well esoteric imagery like a lot of the imagery comes from like in the traditional i'm just gonna go on this tarot about tarot cards uh there's a lot of Kabbalistic imagery. There's a lot of um, ceremonial magic stuff. There's a lot of astrology. Like, you don't have to know all that stuff to read tarot, but it's there. Mm-hmm. And the Norman cards are more like, oh, it's a bird? That symbolizes flight. Um, oh, it's a dog? That's loyalty. And so they're a little more straightforward, but it's still a lot to learn. So I'm learning that. And then the other two decks were, um, well, she gave me a, a Rider weight deck, so now I have two. I'm very happy with that because I can use one for a project. Ooh. And then um, <laughs> uh, she gave me a Fairy Oracle deck with art from a guy that worked on, like he worked with Jim Henson on Labyrinth and like a bunch of different art things i can't think of his name but the deck is called the fairy oracle then there was another oracle deck called voices of the saints which is like out of print so i now have a copy of this like rare deck uh of saint, saint cards yeah very very cool uh so thanks rebecca because that like made my day oh i love that yeah i think maybe our next episode we're gonna do a deep dive into the occult with destiny and I'm just going to sit I'll and listen. Tarot cards. That'd be fun. I, yes. We could totally do that. Yes. But uh, for now, this is the end of our little uh, check-in with y'all. Hope you enjoyed listening to us ramble. Go check out Wanho. His latest Snapchat <laughs> or his latest Instagram is him on, the, on his stomach, on his bed, clenching his ass in the tightest pair of shorts you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. All right, you got your homework for the week. <laughs> uh, you can find more episodes on uh, the uh, abnormalmapping.com slash badlandgirls, where we're also hosted. Thank you. And you can also check out Destiny's other podcasts on their repertory screenings. Is it a weekly? Is it a weekly? Uh, it's a bi-weekly. Okay, it's a bi-weekly. We, j- we just did our Lawrence of Arabia episode. That went up yesterday, so check Ooh. it out. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Next, we're doing an American in Paris. Ooh, you guys are fancy. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
I also have a podcast, but I'm still figuring out what I want to do with it. So it's on hold right now. But it's Comic Book Crush at uh, buzzsprout.com if you want to check out the old episodes. And then you can email us at bellandgirls at gmail.com. If you have occult stuff you want to recommend to us or have us talk about, you know, email us and let us know. And uh, you can find us on your favorite podcaster, podcatching app, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. And we're on Twitter at Badland Girls if you want to reach out to us there as well. But uh, until next time, always always pizza pizza rolls. rolls. Woohoo!